New York Artist Collective. Hello and welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast. This next one's about... This is the podcast where we interview an artist to discuss the creative songwriting process behind one of their songs. I am your host, Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and one of the New York Artist Collective producers. And today's guest is singer-songwriter Madeline McMillan, who's performing our collaborative show with Women Crush Music at Rockwood Music Hall on July 27th. And she's here to talk about her latest single, Power. Madeline McMillan, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you and I'm very much looking forward to the show on the 27th of July. Me too. Women crush music, women, three women on stage together in yeah. a songwriter's round. Have you performed a songwriter's round before? Yes, I have. Not for women crush and not with you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've done a few at Prohibition and I've done the New York Songwriter Circle at the Bitter End twice. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. So you're an old hat, you know what to do. We'll stick, yes. you, we'll stick you in the middle then. Great. I'm familiar, yes. <laughs> Awesome. Well, tell you what, let's um, get into it and let's start talking about your song, Power. Yes. And then we can talk about more fun things, being a woman in music. Oh, yes. Very fun. Um, obviously, it's such an, such an easy topic, yes. but at the same time, I don't <laughs> think it's talked about enough. I agree. So you, re- you released uh, Power recently. Yes. So tell me about Power. So it's, uh, from, from what I understand, it's, it's about um, your struggle with bipolar disorder. Yes, that's correct. I wrote it when I was particularly mad about having bipolar disorder. It's just one of those weeks where I was like, God damn it, this sucks. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, I, I frame it sort of, and I do this a lot with songs where my songs sound a lot, like they're about a person, but they're not. So that was one of the songs where I did that, where I say you a lot. So it sounds like I'm in a relationship uh, with another human, but really it's my relationship with my illness. Mm -hmm. I didn't really set out to release it or do anything with it or make it a thing about bipolar disorder. Um, But once we left the studio and it was all done and mixed and everything, I thought that I captured it much better than I intended to, like my experience with the illness. And I decided that I should do something meaningful with it. So I, you know, decided to publicly talk about it. And it was around the time that people were starting to do that more as well. So I figured I'd throw my hat in the ring, which turned out to be really good. A lot of people have reached out to me, thanking me or telling me they also have a mental illness. And I've learned so much about people <laughs> that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. So that's been nice. I'm definitely happy with the result. Was it the first time you had written a song and talked about it publicly that it was about your disorder yes okay definitely was were you nervous about that yes very much (laughs) a little (laughs) yes I knew it was for the best and that you know I was right that I I felt sort of like a weight off my shoulders after I did it Mm -hmm. because often those conversations can be awkward and you feel like you have to tell people over and over and over again when you have new friends and stuff and I just got really tired of feeling like I had to hide it so I was like well here it is Okay. It's out there. It's on the internet. Here's a song about it, in case you're wondering what it's like. So when you when you started to sit, when you sat down and wrote the song, did you kind of think of it as a letter to your disorder? A little bit, yeah. The initial idea did not stay in the song. I didn't like it, but I continued with the rest of the song. So the verse was originally something totally different. I was talking to my illness since I started the song, and it, it just worked in terms of the production of it, um, how did you approach it? I asked a guitar player that I really liked, who I'd always wanted to work with, to help me uh, with the production of the song. And he's one of those guitar players. His name is Ryan Hummel. One take and it's perfect. It's kind of nuts. And he's also a, a songwriter, so I felt that his input would be great. And the other co-producer is a good friend of mine, Mikhail Pivovarov, 
who I've been working with for years. So he knows me really well. So he already knows like what I'm gonna like and not like. And the three of us just had a really great time working on it together. When I listened to it, I remember how much fun we had in those sessions, which is a nice bonus. Awesome. Well, see what, how about we take a listen and then we can uh, talk a bit more about it afterwards. Cool. This is Madeline McMillan and Power. trouble when I'm with you You have a way of controlling whatever I say, whatever I do I have a way of believing whatever you tell me when you're around You have a way of working me up and then leaving without a sound And it 
it, you know, not to not to be cliche, but it was powerful. Oh, it, is thank a, you. it is a powerful song. Yeah. Um, I got sort of Sarah Borelli's vibes, and I do you, do you get that a lot? Yes, I do. I get that a lot. Not on this particular song, but I also get Joni Mitchell a lot, which is mm-hmm. a compliment in That's my opinion. Huge. So is you know, Sarah is also really great, um, and those are definitely the two I get the most. Mm-hmm. So. Are those two influences for you? Yeah, I mean. Joni Mitchell has been around a lot longer, so I was listening to her when I was a kid. Yeah, Sarah Bareilles is is definitely, a, as a vocalist, for sure, is an influence. And when you were growing up, I mean, what kind of, who, who were you listening to in terms of songwriting and perhaps vocals? Your, your sound's quite distinct. Oh, cool. Um, <laughs> my big thing was David Bowie. Okay. Was, which you wouldn't necessarily know from listening to my music, but he's definitely my favorite writer. The day he passed, I got a lot of phone calls as if I'd lost a family member. <laughs> Everyone was like, are you okay? No, I'm not. Um, so I've always admired him as a writer because he'll really just do whatever he wants. And, you know, it was sort of all that British rock stuff. And I was also listening to a lot of singer-songwriters. Jewel comes to mind. I was really into her as a kid. And then also the Spice Girls. I was a huge fan of the Spice Girls. Guilty. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't understand people that aren't. <laughs> I think it's just it's pure unashamed pop joy. Yeah, it's That's, fun. Yeah. It's really fun. They actually inspired me to become a musician. Really? Yeah. They, it was just so much fun. I was like, I want to do this. That's great. Yeah. My influences don't necessarily come across like right away in my music. Right. Because I mean, obviously... Spice Girls, you think super poppy. Yeah. And that's not necessarily. That's yeah. not really you. And I don't write about aliens or any of that stuff. Like David Bowie. Right. I'm yeah. glad you clarified. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. But there's some production elements and little ideas here and there that when I go back and play songs that I listened to as a kid, I'm like, oh, that's where I got that idea. Yeah. So, no, I hear you there. Yeah. And the, the British rock influences, I know that your, your dad is Scottish. He is, yes. He is. And did, did he uh, influence did, oh, yeah. you know, growing up? And yeah. Stuff? I often say that I don't, I'm not as familiar with a lot of American music from that time. Okay. Because it wasn't what was playing in the car on the way to my grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was a lot of Bowie, a lot of Radiohead, uh, U2, which technically isn't British, but close enough, I suppose. And so growing up, you, uh, you learned piano first. That was your main instrument. Yes. I taught myself. How did you do that as a, as a, as a young'un? I lived near Colony Music, which sold a ton of sheet music for whatever was popular at the time. And I didn't like being told what to do by piano teachers. So I would go and buy music that I already knew and go home and learn it, knowing that I couldn't play a wrong note if I already knew the song. So there was no way I wasn't going to learn which note is where and right. all that fun stuff. And it just... Um, Worked. Yeah. It's funny. I learned that's how I learned to play guitar, but I always thought it was much more complicated on on piano. Yeah, I thought that about guitar. Ah, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> we should swap stories. Yeah. One day. Yes. Totally. <laughs> we'll just teach each other. But more recently, you've been writing some more electronic stuff. Yeah, I've been experimenting more uh, at home in my own studio setup with more looping and keyboard stuff and less less real instruments which has been really different but really fun it's a little jarring because i don't usually write that way uh but i think change is good i agree with you it's something like i hate change yeah but then when it happens i'm like oh it's not so bad 
yeah as I thought it was going to be yeah I'm in that middle phase where it's like difficult and frustrating but I know it won't always be which I know from teaching myself piano (laughs) and it's interesting that you've then gone on to teach piano Yes, I teach piano and voice. I'm trained the most as a singer. Mm-hmm. I actually had a voice lesson today, but I mostly teach piano. And you do a lot of do you do a lot of co-writing in the city? I mean, how do you find Yeah, the... I have a bunch of different friends that I work with from mm-hmm. time to time. Co-writing's just really fun. Okay. So we just do it. Yeah, beyond that, I don't know. I just really like it. It's not something I always felt comfortable doing. When I was a teenager, I I was like too insecure and never did it. And then in my 20s, I decided that that wasn't helping me. Now it's one of those things where you just throw the idea out there and if it sucks, worry about it later. And it's turned into me loving co-writing a lot. That's Change. Yeah. yeah, change. <laughs> change is good. And speaking of change, so this is, um, I mean, for us as the New York Artists Collective, this is the first time we've collaborated with um, another organization. So Women Crush Music in NYC are getting together to do this very special Women in Music show of which you have graciously agreed to be a part of. So yes. thank you very much. Yeah. But so in terms of your experiences as a woman in the industry, what, what has that been like for you? What are some of the things that how you have seen? It doesn't have to be all negative. I'm sure there may have been some positive. Yeah. There, may, there are a lot of positive things out there in terms of the communities that you've found. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's, I mean, what, what's been your overall experience? It's another area where change is the theme, as, as you said. Um, I feel like... For a long time, I've struggled with feeling like I'm being taken seriously, especially, you know, in the studio or gigs or this and that. Um, There is a big difference in how a lot of men, not all of them, but a lot of them just don't take the gig that seriously. They just sort of like show up and play the song and go home. And I've also had a few issues here and there with like harassment and things of that nature. Nothing dangerous or scary, but enough to not enjoy being in a room where I'm the only woman at rehearsal and that kind of thing, like jokes okay. and weird behavior. So, And I guess there are a lot of male musicians in the industry, so it's, I mean, like, obviously yeah. finding a fully female band yes. takes a lot of effort to do it. It does, and oftentimes they're a lot busier <laughs> because everyone is doing that now. Yep. My rule that I made is that there has to be at least one other woman in the band. Even that much changes the dynamic so much, and it's it's great. And as a result of that, I've just met another female musician and another one and another one until I've found myself in this whole community of incredible women. And it's it's supportive and awesome in a way that I've just always hoped and dreamed of. We aren't... Uh, man-hating women we do love our male supporters we love our male allies in terms of that the dynamic that you describe and you say it changes and I completely agree with you but what do you think that that does I think that when you're not singled out there might be more accountability on the part of the men that do behave badly thankfully there's not a lot of them and I think it just it 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 makes it safer you know there's not going to be crude sex jokes there's not going to be weird inappropriate stuff and people overall will just do the work and and be pros about it in Mm -hmm. a way that mostly happens but not always do you find that you ever get to do shows that are all women yes i've done some shows of my own with all women okay and the woman crush and the woman show nyc show yeah beyond that i don't remember anything like that stood out as an all women thing I think when it's 
And when I say that, I mean, the gigs that I have done that have been women, for the most part, have been intentionally all women. Right. I, I think there has been one gig that I did that was not intentionally women. The booker just right. booked three women. But right. he didn't bat an eyelid. And I was like, that's amazing that you didn't. Because a lot of people right. would just think, I was just thinking that, yeah. Oh, that's too many, girl. Like, they have yeah. this image of what female singer-songwriters are. Yes. But wouldn't have the same impression of, there's three males on this bill. Yeah. yeah. That, that in itself is, is bias and sexism. and Yeah. And it's built in a little bit. It's what we're used to mm-hmm. seeing, which is thankfully changing. Yeah. And it's wonderful that, I don't know, I've really started to feel a community um, in New York in the last yeah. few years. Oh, yeah. It's def- like, for me, it's definitely felt like it's changed. And I, I think it's it's been there, but it's I think for me, it's just taken a while to connect into it. I yeah. don't know if you've felt that way as well. Yeah. And I, I had to seek it out myself for the most part. But it's one of those things where once you meet two or three people, it leads to more people and mm-hmm. more people. And it's it's really empowering. Like it definitely inspires me to work more learning instruments and, and, and writing more and, and pushing myself in ways that I might not. And how do you find that your status as a woman with bipolar disorder has changed the trajectory of your career, if at all? I'm not sure how much it's changed it. I think if anything people take me less seriously even less a lot of the time yeah I think people assume that and this again it doesn't happen all the time but there are definitely people who are quicker mostly men are quicker to assume that my opinion is is irrational or my idea is weird you know they they apply this context to what I'm saying and thinking and doing that I don't think they would otherwise are you always open about it yes okay yes I I try not to care too much because I I only have so much space in my brain to sure. care. <laughs> so that is fair. It's yeah, fair. I like that approach. I think I, I probably would be nervous about. Yeah, and I'm sure that was probably a, a, a stage in your life where yeah. you were at with it. At what point did you decide to change and be more open? Uh, I think it was a gradual thing. I think that over time I started to notice that a lot of the reasons I was being told to be quiet about it were ridiculous, and I also. You know, the the process of finding the proper medications and a therapist you get along with and all the the components that come with treatment, you know, it it takes a lot of time to figure out what works for you. So a lot of it was also that I wasn't really stable enough to feel comfortable in my own skin in a way that enabled me to be open about it in a productive way, which is not the case now. Um, Now I feel much better and, you know, I'm just older. I've grown into who I am and, and I'm more secure and who I am, and I think it makes it easier to talk about it. It was one of those things where I had to be ready okay. to talk about it openly, as openly as I do now. But my friends have always known. Have you found community within um, the music space with for mental health? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's something that people are talking about more and more and writing about openly more and more. And, you, you know, even through me being open about it, people have reached out to me that are either musicians I know or random people on Facebook and Instagram that, that are, you know, that tell me like, oh, I wrote this song, this is what it's about, or thank you so much for talking about it. And it really makes it clear that there is actually a huge network of people dealing with mental health and mental illness, and people are just scared to talk about it. And it's nice to see people opening up. Even today, I got a message from someone who has the same diagnosis as me, who's a musician, asking me to be part of their podcast. So oh. we'll see about that in the future. Podcast land. Yeah, it's great. Is this is it, um, is this your first podcast? The first one that actually officially is streaming 
for other people to oh, hear that's it. That's nice. Yeah. So I'm <laughs> glad to have popped your podcast, yeah, Jerry. Yeah, it's very, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Power of the New Single is, is out now. It is. You're performing July 27th with NYC and Women Crush Music. Yes. Uh, stage three, tickets available in the details for this episode. And coming up for you, so you'll, you will be writing and um, we will expect to see more from you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm toying around with the idea of having a stage name as opposed to my current Ooh, difficult to spell name. Any, any thoughts that you'd like to share? No. We could, we could, we could <laughs> throw this out into the ether and see what comes back. Yeah, I, I, I haven't like really. Like a one-word name? Was it now? I'm like lost. I, I feel like I need to finish more songs before I really decide. Okay. Do you want a persona? I see, I'm getting carried away now. Yeah. Yep. Do like a David Bowie thing. Right. You could we'll do. see. Yeah. You could get a di- one different colored contact yeah. lens. Yeah. Really go for it. <laughs> yeah, it makes my one of my pupils look bigger, too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, there you go. Get a mullet. Don't do that. Powder blue suit. <laughs> Madeline, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. I cannot wait to see you perform July 27th. Yeah, thank you for having me. best of luck with the new music. I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got coming out. Thank you. Madeline McMillan and her latest single, Power. You can follow her on all of the things. She is at McMadeline, that's M-C-M-A-D-E-L-E-I-N-E on Instagram. And her website is in the details of this episode. For more information on our upcoming shows and the one on July 27th in particular with Women Crush Music, April Rose, Madeline McMillan and Gabrielle Marlena, you can check out our Instagram, New York Artist Collective. And the ticket link is in today's episode as well. Make sure you also subscribe to the podcast to hear the latest episodes direct to your device. And next week, I'll be chatting to Gabrielle Marlena, singer-songwriter from New York City, who will be completing the lineup for the next show, July 27th at Rockwood Music Hall, Stage 3, so make sure you check that out next week. I'm Stephanie Manns. See you next time. New York Artists Collective.